ignore John because he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So um, basically go on YouTube for the last two episodes. They'll be, they'll be published. They'll be published today. The moment I finish, I'll publish two episodes. One this week, one next week. We're, we're like two weeks behind on the podcast. Sorry, guys. We're, we're going we're gonna to put it down to John being ill. So yes. it's, it's not COVID. his incompetence. I, I got COVID, you know? Yeah. I got COVID, that's why. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's it, not him. It's not him being incompetent or forgetting no, anything or, no. or messing up or, or just no. forgetting to push buttons or anything like that. No, it was no. all the illness. It was, it was all COVID. It was all COVID's fault. <laughs> uh, so today's kind of like a, an unplanned, somewhat scripted-ish video because we've spoken we've spoken look, about this look, topic come a few on times. come on come on come on just pause that i do not i do not appreciate you saying this is scripted because oh my god this is just never it is we never script these okay okay scripted may be slightly inaccurate slightly <laughs> the, the reason i say scripted is because we've had these conversations before like part on episode part off episode so it's not like new territory we're going into but it is a new approach to the concepts, i.e. research and being evidence-based. Now, I, we, we, we were talking about this before, which is why we decided to record. I'm an academic, and there are lots of things that I know about academia that I forget other people don't know. And what you just said before the recording, I was like, that's why we need to talk about this. Because I, I, I will remind you just in case you forgot, because uh, you are ill. Um, is you said I now have an evidence base to the things that I was doing, like I have a proof. Yeah, I have. Well, I wouldn't say proof. I have evidence of like everything that I knew was true, but only from you know theory of one, is actually now starting to be backed up by the sciencey bit in the background, the academia that, and and all of what was originally just like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> come here i'll look at that later and everything is just now connecting together in a beautiful weird and funky way and it all makes sense it all makes sense you're not in academia then well well i wouldn't say okay fine it makes makes sense is not the right word but you you, you can get what i mean you you can grasp the concept better now that I have a better grasp of the concepts than I had before. And I can go, yes, look at this. This actually talks about this. It's, uh, it's something else we were talking about. Like when, when you're in academia, you don't have to look at all the complex physical or mental theoretical, like you don't have to look at all the big words and the complicated concepts and all the really out there theories that require you to understand loads of other fundamental stuff. It's literally just learning what you're already interested in, just finding mm. people that are also talking about it. It's so cool. I mean, this is a really niche example. So I was looking at something to do with the brain. I think it was the neuroscience of flow. Um, and it mentioned anterior. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Well, I then looked that up. And this was a while back. It was a good couple of months ago. Today, obviously, as of the first of like April, we now have to buy our COVID tests. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to leave that alone. But there are two types. One is just the one that goes up your nose and one is the nose and throat. Both, all of our family have sensory processing needs. And so it's just not going to happen down the throat. So we just looked up like what tests were available. And I just saw 
<laughs> it was like anterior nasal. And I was like, oh, that's inside the nose. And because my wife was like, what the hell is that? Oh, yeah, it's inside front of. Yeah, there you go. It's just like it's now coming into quote unquote real life. And yes. it's kind of fun because you just sound really super smart. <laughs> and really, you're still thick as shit. <laughs> Welcome to academia. <laughs> like that, that could be academia's slogan, like. The world thinks you're smart when actually you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> but you know you have no... Well, that's Dunning-Kruger. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, and it's it's, it's such a, a great feeling when you're mm. reading into something. You're like, I get it, I get it, I get it. But you still have no idea what you get. <laughs> like, you're, you're understanding this thing that you're reading about, but you still don't really know what you're reading about like like the actual concept the the hierarchy of the thing the the top level concept you're like i, I still don't get it I, I, I just don't um and that's where i think academia is useful i was saying this a second ago is useful for those people that are interested and are curious i, I mentioned adhd because they dive into lots of topics all over the place um but you're constantly going, you're constantly making connections. And I, there, there isn't an, an end. Like there's no, okay, I'm going to set a project deadline date, or I'm going to do actions and tasks for this. No, you, you can't do that. That there sums up why Notion never worked for me as a, as a kind of um, personal knowledge management tool, because everything needed to be very structured and overtly structured. And it just didn't fit when I was exploring and playing. And there's still actually, as I'm going through a oh, am I doing this the right way? Am I creating the right pages? And I still think I've got to do that when really I can put the damn pages wherever the fuck I like. I just got to link it up later on. And even I don't even need to do that because half the time it finds the information and links it up for me. I'm still figuring that out now with Obsidian, but I could never go back to Notion now for that. Like I'm, I'm just like, I can go in, and I was able to, because I've, I've kind of tweaked my Obsidian a little bit, because unlike you, I've got Readwise. So Readwise syncs all of my um, highlights from all across the internet into one place. So I've, I've kind of tweaked my system to have, for books particularly, I actually have, and I think you do this with um, papers. So you have the paper as a PDF, and then you have a, a separate note, which kind of notes the the notes of your paper sort of yeah so i've got the i've got the pdf stored locally um yeah. now i see that in obsidian rather uh, uh, see that in zotero rather than uh, adobe acrobat and then yeah. in my obsidian i have a note with the highlighted points yeah so what i've actually done is i've kind of replicated that except of course it's a note so i have a a, a note that is just the highlights from obsidian and then what I do inside the template is I have it automatically create another note. If it's a book, it will create another note because of course, when I highlight the books, it just keeps adding it to the one page. And it means that I can actually have a book about the note and then I can link to the quotes if I want to. So but before we, before we carry on, I actually will have Readwise very soon because of the building a second brain um, course, yeah. like thingy. I, I doubt I'll use it, but I'll probably experiment with it because why not? Um, so I'm curious how you're how you're naming those notes because for me with my papers, I have named the note 
the name of the author and then the date of the publishing. Yeah. So, so in, I was about to answer your question. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was, I was going to say. So when I reference that paper again, wherever I reference it, I already know what the name of the note is, even if I haven't noted it down. So I can see the backlink straight away. I yeah. So you're doing something similar. Sort of. Yeah. So what I have um, inside of the template, because in Readwise, you set up a, a front end template and a load of really nerdy stuff. Basically, the title is the category as an icon. So it's either a book or a piece of paper or or a twi Twitter like bird or whatever. <laughs> and then the tweet. name, the tweet. Yes, the Twitter bird. Um, and then the name of the book. And then what I have is I just have, and it is only done. I have a, a filter and if statement that says, if it is a, if the category is a book, create a note, because I don't often create notes from articles. I normally reference them separately. When you say articles, you're talking like blog articles. Yeah. Blog articles or stuff from the internet, so to speak, not, not digital books. No, when, so when you say articles, I think of academic papers. Academic papers are not done via um, uh, Readwise. Well, yeah, that's what that's what I thought. I was I yeah. was just like articles. I'm assuming that's like a blog. Thing. Yeah, so web links basically, and and yeah. only for books. I automatically create a page which is basically just the title of the book on its own. So what I can do is I can literally search up the name of the book, and I have the book with a book icon, and then the, just the name of the book, and then I can choose between the two. Then I have the metadata which uses that. Then I use um, what's it called? What's it called? Regit is the what's it called? There is a not meta edit, it is the other one that you use. Data view. And I have data view that shows me I can use that data in different ways if I want to, which I'm still playing with. Yeah, I, I don't I don't use data view. I'm it's it's funny, lots of people say that I use Obsidian in really complex ways, but I just use the native features that are inside of Obsidian. Like, how how do you get that big list of references down the bottom? footnotes how do you backlink all your references backlinks <laughs> how, do, how do you name everything yeah, but, but footnotes are really weird with backlinks because you have to have yeah i always found it at first when i was trying to do footnotes and backlinking and footnotes really confusing because you have to do the square what bracket of, to what sort of footnote are you talking about are you talking about inline footnotes or um uh sub sub I, I guess sub footnotes i don't know there's, there's no actual other name to it it's just footnotes and inline footnotes i have no idea what the difference is that's fascinating so you've got footnotes where you add in whatever the thing is inside of the text and then you add what the footnote actually is after the text so you say uh, oh inline okay so you're doing carrot square bracket whatever the thing square bracket and close oh, out yeah. 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 So they're inline, yeah. inline, um, inline footnotes. I use inline footnotes and it's, it's, it's just so easy to make them because you like carrot and then just smack the square key three times <laughs> and then like type whatever the new thing is. Whereas the <laughs> other yeah. The other footnotes are like bracket, carrot, write the thing, bracket. And then yeah. Go down yeah. And then it, it took a while to figure out the right amount of brackets to use. My brain was like, is that enough? No. Okay. So why is it why is it showing the the square bracket at the end? What is the fuck is going on here? It took me a little while, but now I've got it. I'm just like, yay, thank you. And I've just 
just started using block references. Just. Okay. It, it, it might be interesting for you to have a look at one of the pages that I recently completed. It was uh, done in the video, the last video I did, visual, uh, visual processes, um, because I've used a lot of block references in there and a lot of heading references in there. And I think it's probably one of the better use cases that you can have for it, because I, I don't use block reference embedding, uh, but I use it for linking, linking to blocks and things. So for those people that are a little bit lost, block references basically allow you to link to a block of a page rather than the page itself. So what I'm essentially doing is instead of having atomic notes, really small notes that are basically pointless, um, I have a block in a page. So one of, the, one of the examples I use in the video is TMS, is transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is a, a type of brain imaging, neuroimaging. That block is inside of my Approaches to Human Cognition page, because that page is all about how we study the brain. But inside of my visual processes page, there was a study that used TMS. Now, I don't want to reference the whole page of approach to human cognition. I just want to reference what is TMS so I can hover over TMS inside of my visual processes page and say, oh, that's what it is. Kind of like as a reminder. So I've block referenced the TMS block in the processes of visual page. So it's kind of like a ad hoc definition of something. Um, yeah. <clears throat> At the moment, I've been just defining it on its own page but even i'm like Ugh, that is so clunky and i don't like it so i might play with that myself yeah and then yeah. yeah and then the other use that uh i have for it's still technically block referencing but it's not uh, is referencing a heading so because i now have longer pages with headings and outline sections if there is a concept that i'm talking about so say cognitive load in the cognitive load theory page and I want to reference cognitive load somewhere else. So at the moment, I'm researching about attention and performance. And they're talking about perceptual load and cognitive load. Perceptual load is different from cognitive load. But I don't want to ignore what I know about cognitive load. I can reference the heading of cognitive load. And that gives me everything underneath that heading. So that's all of the blocks, all of the subheadings underneath that heading, and all of the footnotes, all in the page preview. So I essentially get a, a snippet of my cognitive load theory page showing me just what cognitive nice. load is. That's really nice. Mm. And because of course I've then done block references inside of my cognitive load page, Jermaine load is a block reference. So when I hover over cognitive load in my attention and performance page, I can then hover over what Jermaine load is as a block reference inside there. So I have two pop-ups, but I can see what Jermaine load is by just hover, hover, hover. And then what intrinsic load is, extraneous load is, by hovering over rather than having to find the frigging page everywhere, which makes life so much easier when I'm going back through my notes. Yeah, that's not, I'm, I'm, I'm now reaching that point where it's like, oh, where, where did I put that page? Oh, this is annoying me now. Like, especially as I'm kind of diving into more specific, I suppose it's books in my case where I'm getting certain topics and I'm really starting to get clear on what I'm looking at and what I'm really interested in. It is becoming clumsy to move between things. So I did a bit of cleanup for the first time ever in Obsidian. Thank you very much. You're all very welcome. It was painful and agonizing. That's what I did when I'm ill. Um, and I did a bit I, of cleanup. I put I music like, okay. on. <laughs> when, yeah. when, I'm doing a, when I'm doing a cleanup, I put music on. Like I was dealing with like tags and folders and stuff because I got rid of one of the folders in my Obsidian. 
I renamed a lot of my tags, which Tag Wrangler helped out with so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I put music on. I'm like, yeah, just oh, fiddle. <laughs> it's like a relax between the research. Nice. So yeah, with with regards to your your, I I don't want to say research, but I guess it is research, like reading books yeah, and things. It's it, it's just not like your level of research. It's yeah, I, I think we need like a, a level of. Re- I don't know what we'd call it though, like because it, it's not surface level because you're not surface, but it's not as uh, extensive as yeah. some academics. <laughs> um, I don't know. Intermediate research. Yeah. Intermediary. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, um, I, I, I'm curious how how those notes work. So you you, you mentioned points which i i in my uh in my like wisdom have called highlightable points you know really original um and my highlightable points from papers are linked back to the actual highlight inside of the zoterra paper like via a pdf link inside the source note but when i put that point into what i call a working note so an actual note of me explaining something i don't have a link anywhere because i have the reference i'm the same yeah okay because most of the time i'm condensing that point so i don't yes. want like seven links to, to all yeah. the place <clears throat> yeah what what i'm doing is if there's something really key that i want to like um and this is still very new so it's going to change for sure if there's a related quote there's a i have a bit at the bottom of my kind of processing figuring it out note and putting it all together um I have like a related quote and I will embed the block, the specific block. I don't like that right now. I'm not enjoying that. The experience is weird. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like the embed blocks. Yeah, I don't like the embed block either. But that's what I'm doing right now to trigger. Like, it's kind of like the to do's that you have. I've seen, well, had. Who knows what you've got now because you change it quite frequently. But you had a to do thing where you're looking at something. You need to look at something in the future or something. That was English. <laughs> to do thing. All of my to do's are in Morgan. No, to do he- when you're when you're when you have a massive load of paper, you have a massive note. You used to have a to do thing right at the top of things that you need to either explore. Oh, the more, heading. Or, yeah, the heading, the to do heading, where you go into it, and there's lots of different yeah outlinks yeah. and linking them together and stuff you want to work on later. That's sort of the same. But it's a quote instead, right? Okay, yeah, it's it's a it's a to do. It's a section in my outline. So, the level one headings in my notes go synopsis at the top, which is obviously a synopsis of the page, which um, actually is, uses block references and heading references there, so I can immediately go there. Then I have a points section, which is the main bulk of the page. Then I have a references set, well, and other other references section for videos books blogs and things like that um then the references section and to do's i think to do might be above references because references are down the bottom of the page but yeah Yeah. they're they're the main your references yeah the the heading was there so people sort of knew what was going on because when i was looking at my publish if you didn't know what the big list of stuff down the bottom was on top of the other big list of stuff down the bottom, you'd be really confused because inside of Obsidian Publish, obviously <coughs> you'd get all the footnote references. And as you scroll all the way to the bottom of that, you then get the backlinks. 
you get to the bottom of the page and you suddenly see this big old list of stuff you're like what and then it changes because it goes from a white background to a, a gray background you're like what's the difference so i i, I put a, a references section in there so you're like oh these are the references of the page and they're the backlinks of the page so you've got to scroll past like 70 papers <laughs> to get to the backlinks <laughs> yeah yeah i love that yeah, i think i think from my perspective as someone who's diving into it, but I will never get to, I don't think I ever want to be at the level you are. If I had enough time, I would, but I don't. Like practically, I just know that it's not possible, but I can still gain a lot from what I do look at. And often I think sometimes what happens is when you see the other people doing really cool stuff that you'd love to do, you feel you have to do all of it but you can choose your level and it's so it's so much fun to be able to just dive as deep as you want and then come straight back out and it's fine to go as deep as you want you don't have to be to the nth degree level of of my dear friend here who just looks at fucking everything but even you probably do not look at everything but you look at way more than the average human being i can't look at everything if i was to look at everything i would never get out of one note <laughs> yeah and i think i think it's about choosing your depth that's something that i'm coming to terms with of like okay i have so many different interests so many things that i'd love to learn absolutely everything about but i can't so what am I going to really focus on? And sometimes the things that I didn't think I'd focus on, I end up focusing on, and then they all link back together. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. So this is something that I came up with a couple of days ago because I was, I, was, I was watching a video about research and it was, it was irritating, it was annoying me. Uh, and then I went to have a look at what the online consensus is because the online consensus of a topic is not the same as an academic consensus so i have an understanding of what research is um but the online world has a completely different meaning uh and they think research is just searching for stuff no it's not <laughs> searching and researching are different so i i'm gonna like change the re to uh refine and explore the search <laughs> because searching stuff everyone does it every day google that's searching that's not researching just because you're looking at blogs that came up on google does not mean you're researching it means you're searching stuff and and this is where i think the the youtube research of videos i think that's where the difference is like this is where i'm coming to they say they have researched a topic no they've searched a topic they've gone online they've gone to blogs they've gone to other videos and they've searched for things that have come up in search seo search that has explained whatever the thing is they haven't refined and explored expanded whatever other e you could put in there the search results because in research you don't take what's first if anything the thing that comes up first is trash <laughs> unless you're really good at searching for something uh, and you're using google scholar and have found a really good paper, luckily, that's come up first. Otherwise, you need to refine that search. So go into the first results, go into the abstract, find a reference, find a meta-analysis, find a systematic review, find 
ideally multiple systematic reviews, meta-analysis that cover the topic in different perspectives in different ways, and then explore the search refined results. That's what research is. And I think that that definition, <laughs> explanation of what research is, goes against what a lot of people think research is. Because when I hear them say, oh yeah, I researched it. No, you didn't research it. You, you typed it in on Google and then you, you looked at the first five links that came up. That's not research. Like that's just marketing. And it drives me mad. And this is where I think my distinction between research and search is, and it's brought some, some, some peace <laughs> to, to, to my, to my mind. When I hear people say research, I'm like, no, you haven't researched, you searched. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm And reserving. that is also okay. I'm but as long as you oh, yeah. acknowledge that, that's the important thing. Um, yeah. Understanding, because I think there's a lot of, <clears throat> when you start entering into the space that you you inhabit it can get quite there's loads of words you could put in there yeah yeah i'm just trying to think of the right one the one that fits what i'm thinking it is it is a point of like oh you should do better you should be more this and should be more that and get this and get that when really you get what you need and, and can leave. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand the context of what you're actually looking for. Because someone someone asked me um, on my socials, I shared um, a book that I'm reading and they're like, I love this, I want to learn more. Is this a good book to start with? And I'm like, um, yeah. And I don't know because I don't know your context that you already have. You could dive in to the book that I have, which is Gestalt Practice, uh, The Art and Pursuit of Holism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, which I'm just saying holism to make you cringe again, because it was funny. Yeah, Bruno Bennett. I, it, in, my, <laughs> in my head, it's, it's been Bruno Bennett. It's just yeah. cool. Um, <clears throat> and it's like, yeah, you could start there, but I'm not, under, I'm not sure what your context is. Like, what are you trying to find? And, and this is where, like, for me, the refined section of the research comes in. There are different levels of refinement. Some people mm. only need a surface level of refinement. So, yes, they may be researching, but at a lower depth. Other people may be researching at a higher depth. So that refine, <laughs> to me, is it, it separates the different, different people apart. And then again, some people may only have a shallow level of refinement, but they have explored heavily in that shallow level other mm. people may have refined in quite a, a lot of depth like loads and loads of papers but they don't explore all of the papers papers because they just don't have the time or the want yeah. to do it yeah and it's it's, it's also <clears throat> so i see those two from my perspective like when someone asks me oh it sounds good is that a good place to start i'm like <clears throat> yes anywhere is a good place to start but i don't know your context i don't know and there's also a level of if you take someone too deep too quickly, it terrifies the absolute shit. They feel stupid, so they won't do it. And that is the responsibility I'm starting to learn is like if I take someone too deep too quickly, they run away, even though the information there is so powerful and will change their life. I don't say that lightly. It does because it's so amazing. And so that is the responsibility for me 
it's like how deep do I go I had this experience recently I have two people that that work with me and I work with them and one is very deep level nerdy goes as geeky as as we do and we have a whale of a time and then we have someone on the other side who loves what she enjoys and then that's it it's like okay that's nice and I tested the water to see what would happen if I just brought one concept and it was the extended mind which (laughs) (laughs) to to pick one concept you pick one of the most philosophically dense concepts right because I was yeah basically (laughs) and it's like yeah maybe I shouldn't have done that one because the reaction was uh it, it, it was like I don't get it I don't get why that's important or anything it's like but it's so fascinating and you're already doing it and we don't realize we're doing it because we don't have that information and we don't have that yeah, prior knowledge. Is that the right word I'm using? I suppose. I'm going to go with yes. Because you don't because have the, that prior knowledge of all the yeah. other things and experiences and all of that coming together. And because you've learned that one thing, it's like, oh, that's why I do things this way. That's why I, and just that understanding of why you do what you do and how you do it. You don't actually have to understand every single concept, which I am someone who is, yeah, but just, just exploring it and going here, this is interesting. Come play with this. I think often what can happen is you want to know everything because human beings obviously don't want to feel stupid, but I'm kind of enjoying feeling stupid. <laughs> that's, that's why I like academia so much is I, I do feel stupid. It's, it's, it's obviously a, obviously a bit of a sore, like two, two, two sides to the sword there, because I, I feel stupid when I'm in my research but when I come outside of my research and I start talking with people, especially what I would class as normal people, they look at me and go, what the actual are you talking about? <laughs> because I've been so engrossed in me not understanding stuff, but I, I'm understanding loads of things. It's just I'm always at the cutting edge of what I don't get. But when yes. I go back to normal society, yeah. they're like, where the f- what? What world are you on? <laughs> what planet are you in? Yeah, it, it's it's it's. I'm starting to experience that too, where I'm talking about these concepts like, oh, I don't, I don't get it. It's the only reason why I bought the course that I bought. Well, not course, program that I bought because I want to be exposed to more of that. I find that interesting being on the bleeding edge of what I understand and then being able to bring just little bits up. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this yet, but part of obviously PhD research is you're working with people that are also like, like-minded and you're pushing boundaries of research. When you get to a point or a problem that no one in human history has answered yet, and you try and figure it out with people that are similar minded to you that have similar uh, understandings of concepts, those conversations are so good. Now from the outside, the conversations may look really disjointed and like what, because a question will be asked and three four of you will just sit there like confused thinking and like random ideas will pop up and the most obscure concept may come out and like the other day i was i was i was trying to answer a question i won't go into the question uh and okay i can i can i can try um but i was i got to a point where i was i was arguing with myself in the explanation 
and I argued against my own explanation but because I was saying it out loud someone else had said oh, actually and then they came in with their point so we were talking about proprioception interoception and exteroception and how we perceive which yeah and how we perceive consciously not unconsciously um where our where our body is so if for example you put so there are loads and loads of tests to test for proprioception and my argument i won't get to the whole conversation but my argument was you can't test for proprioception alone because you can't have proprioception without interoception oh right and we were we were going backwards and forwards as to could you separate them so if you put your hands uh, in a box can you separate it now, because I know the size of the box, because I've seen the box beforehand, I have a, a, a mental model in my mind in prior knowledge of how high up my hand goes. So ideally, it would be your hands are on the same level, but you'd put them in at the bottom, you'd raise one arm and proprioception in theory is can you raise it to the same level because proprioceptive cues, but interoceptive cues are also involved in that prediction, predictive processing uh, in your own mind but because i know the size of the box i already have limits that i've put on how far up i can move my arm mm. which is exteroception as well so can i have proprioception without interior and exterior so we were working through these problems going into predictive processing and there is no answer to this um <laughs> so don't try and answer it i guess you could you could give a, a stab but there, there would be no yes that's right no that's wrong we just don't know and these this we were going round round the houses we went into predictive processing we went into the free energy principle we went into bayesian hypothesis of like predictive brain processing of well if you have this prediction it's going to cause that prediction error but then that's also included in exteroception so we can't use that prediction error which means we need to use these errors instead which means we we need to limit the environment etc etc and those conversations are so good but you can't have those conversations with most people because you say any of those words that I've just said to the majority of normal people, they go, what? Because <laughs> you need to understand the intricacies of prediction errors, of affordances, of constraints, of the free energy principle, and of all the other concepts, which most people don't have. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, mind blown a bit there, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just like, ooh, words. <laughs> I understood most of them, but I'm like, cool, yeah. I'm like, ooh, that is interesting. The limited thing, understanding, I know how interesting that conversation would have been. Yeah, it was very much a, uh, huh. Uh, this, and then the other person be like, but what about that? And then someone else times in and go, yeah, but you could think about it like this instead. And you, it just going going round and round in circles. Um, we, we did make progress, but it's very slow progress because all the theories that you're coming up with need to be tested in some way so you can move forwards with your way of thinking, which is kind of like the argument between ecological dynamics and information processing, EDV, IP, which we've, we bucketed like a few episodes ago. There, there's no answers in a lot of the ED research because it is so new to academia. The theory isn't new, but the theory in practice is new, which is why it's difficult. There was actually there was a recent podcast episode of uh, two individuals, fairly well-respected individuals in each field, um, 
I say each field, the IP individual thinks they're ED. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying they are. It's just their perception of their philosophy. Um, but they but they had a debate. And those sorts of debates with people that know what they're talking about are so exciting if you can follow the conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a completely new world that a lot of people don't go into. Yeah. <laughs> They're sitting there like, I, I'm exhausted. No, I'm just, my brain's like, yes. Yeah. And, it, and it's one of those things, it's just like figuring out what part of the conversation you want to be in. <clears throat> to start with, yeah. I think, I think that's like the, the refining part of the searching. Like, okay, I'm going yeah. to refine my search to just this thing. Um, and then understand it a bit, and then I will change the refine fine scale. I'll, I'll move that down down one. Notch. I'll change the filter. <laughs> Come on, we got notion nerds here. I'll change the filter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you sort of move, move it down a bit. You. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's the expressed. That that that's the exploration. You, you, different different link because you still got the same information because you you just refine yeah, is different. But yeah, so and I think as as you go into that that world the refine level goes down the exploration goes down and now you're in a, a deeper level of research in, in my head that's how i have it i have like the search here and then you just like move cogs going down with each topic <laughs> yeah and it was so like it was so fascinating how something i read months and months ago all of a sudden just links to what i'm reading to now i'm like Hello there. I remember you. It was it was it was wonderful. The exciting thing is the more that you read, the more that happens. Yeah. And because obviously I've been in academia for five, six years, um, that happens to me almost every day. Like that, oh yeah, that thing with this thing. And it happens almost every day whenever I'm researching, which is why it's so fun, which is which is why I think it's so like I don't want to say addicting, but it is very Oh it is. That, yeah, that's dopamine yeah. that's dopamine in its in its purest of forms it's like exactly boop here's a thing oh wow yeah and that's happened to me recently it's like going like my focus is gestalt concepts i find the gestalt theory gestalt therapy gestalt psychology the whole gestalt philosophy is where my head is it's what i'm interested in but then you link that to self-regulation of the body and it's like that that's that's quite the same just described slightly differently then you look over here of of like how the brain the neuroscience of flow and you're like well hello again i see you and it's really interesting connecting that and then you know there is just like so so many things and then it's like how it all links back like specifically for kind of me there we are um of like how it all links back to system design and all these concepts that i look at and i'm like this is this isn't right it's not correct it's not right it doesn't fit now i understand why it doesn't fit but the vast majority of people who do systems design don't look at it any deeper than they don't question why 
so my question for you then is because I don't know whether it was me that pushed you into the academia research or not, um, but how do we get not necessarily more people in academia, but more people to research the way that you're now researching? Because for, like listening to the evolution of your research, you're understanding more and enjoying what you're doing more because you now know more. So in my mind, I'm like, well, just do more research or get people to do more research, but it's not as easy as just, hey, go on Google it's, Scholar and find stuff. It, it, it's, there's, there's a sense of, I don't think elitism is the right word, but that's the word that's coming to mind right now. That's the experience. It's like there is very much a right and a wrong way and that is the perception that I had at first. And then as I grew to understand that I can, I can choose my level of engagement, my level of awareness, and I can choose that myself. And it doesn't really matter that much. And you come to terms with the fact that you will never figure everything out. And just you just, you can't. There isn't an end because <clears throat> what I still find is, is the beginning of research is the hardest. It's like when I first go to sit down to start, it's like, okay, I've got to get my brain into a place where I can play with this. Otherwise it, yeah, it's, it's a weird experience and I'm still kind of navigating that. It's, reducing the overwhelm that feeling of okay so where do I go what do I do how do I take these thoughts what do I do with them are they all in my head and all this and all that a lot of the reason I've been able to do it um is because I've come to the terms of like okay for me to be able to I, I just need to put it down somewhere and not try to system it I think we are like when I first started, but this could be the experience that I had because I was in the productivity and personal knowledge management world and building a second brain and all this stuff. I was trying to create a system for a concept I had no idea about. I was moving straight to action and contact instead of understanding what the sensations actually were. If we use a gestalt kind of framework, which is the easiest bit, I was missing the beginning and trying to skip to the middle and the end. <clears throat> and I think it's the talking about more of the beginning. We're exciting making contact with it now. We are in the middle kind of thing. That's kind of the, the way I see it now. But it's the beginning part that needs to be spoken more about of like understanding what you actually want to do and why you're doing it and following the sensations and the the beginning part like the release yeah i'm just so yeah <laughs> i've just uh, i had my obsidian in the background and i just looked at it and went oh the energy of experimentation the act of releasing new energy i'm like yeah that <laughs> that <laughs> okay yeah because like i say i think I think a lot of people could benefit from what academia has taught me, but not everyone is going to be writing academic papers. I don't think they should be. I personally don't think academic papers are actually that useful for the majority of people um, when it comes to writing them. Reading them, however, that's a different story. 
I would say the format of academic papers and the limitations around academic papers are what make it useful research because it's not just one opinion. You have to actually cite what you're talking about. Um, and it's not just a, hey, here's a thing and I'll dump it out next week. It's, it's actual a work, work in progress. Like it takes time to condense thoughts. The way I see academic papers is they are the most condensed blog articles and evidenced thinking that we have. Uh, but you don't need to be doing experiments in a lab to write an article. And that's another misconception I think that's around academia is that a lot of the papers have nothing to do with actual experiments. They are theoretical papers, either talking about a study that was done or talking about a study that was talking about a study that was done. <laughs> yeah. Like, <clears throat> and academic papers are conversations. If you try and follow a research team and all of the work they do, it is a continual conversation. They're, a research team is basically a team blog, <laughs> but each blog post is an article, which is referencing other people's blog posts and articles. Uh, I think which, there's also like... <clears throat> The statistical analysis part was what, now this is specifically me. I was like, I don't understand this. And do I need to understand this to care? Do I need this? I think you told me in the end, you can do, but no, just take, you don't necessarily need to understand it unless you are trying to do the same thing. I mean, to be honest, the only thing about stats you really need to know is about a p-value. And if 0.05, but the thing is, it, it tells you in there, um, 0.05 is the alpha value of most testing. So if it's above 0.05, it's not significant. If it's below, it is significant. But it even says, like in the results, there was a significant finding of P greater than or smaller than 0.05 um, or 0.02, depending on the alpha value used. But it tells you there was no significant difference or there was a significant yeah. difference. So you really don't need to know what the number means. Yeah, that, that was the bit that caught me up when I first started. Is that I don't understand this and it's scary in maths and let me run away. Um, I don't understand a lot of the stats because they go really, really... Well, I said I understand a lot of the stats. I understand a lot of the stats, but I wouldn't be able to repeat it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I know what it means to the conversation. I have no idea why it works, how it works. I really don't care, to be honest. Um, I did stats modules and I, I did really well in them because I'm good at maths. But I do not care two hoots that if you do this with the graph and then you change this and you times it by that and multiply it by this and derivative of that, you get this number, which means that I don't care. I don't. What does it mean? <laughs> is it important yeah. or is it not? Yeah. And I think once I got to that point where I didn't necessarily have to read every single line of a paper, it helped. Yeah, don't do that. Even academics try and do that. When I speak to undergrads, they're like, oh, there's so much reading. I'm like, you're reading all the papers. Yeah. Why? <laughs> read the abstracts. <laughs> read the abstract, read the conclusion. And if you want any more, go in the middle. Exactly. John knows. He knows. Yeah, I do now. I didn't. And that that actually really helped with getting me into it. So, okay, I'll read the abstract. Does it make sense? Am I intrigued? Yes. Okay, cool. Read the conclusion. Cool. That's interesting. Right. Now, now I'll look at different things that actually points. What I do now is I kind of scan the first paragraph of each section and then decide where to go. 
It's like because yeah. often the points are at the beginning or the end. And that I did learn from um building a second brain of like beginning and then the end. And then if I if I'm missing concept con contacts that I want, I'll go looking further. But it's basically intro, outro, first paragraph of each section, last paragraph of each section, if I care enough. Yeah. And it's it's funny you say that because that's how I format my notes. <laughs> I have the, I don't have the conclusion, but I have the introduction that summarizes everything that's backlinked and linked to all, all the different sections in the page. And then at the top of each section is a synopsis. So I have a synopsis of the page, a synopsis of each section as well. So I can immediately see what the section's about if it is block reference. So anywhere, uh, which makes life so much easier. Yeah, I'm I'm I might ask a few questions when we finish because I might try and do something similar because I quite like that. That is one thing that I'm struggling um, particularly with the Obsidian is the readability because I just jot everything down. I've played with this syn- with like kind of a synopsis and I quite like that. But then I'm going down to other, I'm clicking off to another page and I'm like, oh, I don't want to anymore. It's boring. So <clears throat> yeah, I have loads uh- of thoughts. I was going to say, I think, I think we're coming to the end of the podcast anyway, because um, we, we've, we've spoken quite a bit about academia. I would say if someone is, I don't want to give this advice because I'm biased. If someone is interested in getting into reading more and researching, not just searching, uh, what, would, what would be your like, go-to piece of advice <laughs> as someone that's been through that pain? <laughs> um, take everything we've said. Know, know why, know what you want to do. Like, even if what you want to do is just explore something, that's enough. But you need to have that clarity of what it is you want to do and understand where you want to go. Even if it's a really like, I just want to know more about this. And then just start just prodding and except you'll know none of it and it doesn't matter that you don't know everything that's being said if you're on mac just literally push down and you get an instant trans like definition and it'll tell you what it means and 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 google searching is your friend if you don't know a word google define (laughs) Uh, on mac you can literally just push down and it'll tell you it's great Yeah. Yeah, right. I think we can close it out there. Bye.